Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third series of The Human Podcast, a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. This podcast is dedicated to honouring our experiences of transformation, our ability to live through, live with, and beyond the inevitable devastations and renewals of living. So often, our personal stories of tragedy and survival are left untold hidden behind the facade of ordinary life. Human has been created to make them more seen, more heard, and more celebrated. Because I believe, within them, we can all feel more connected to our shared humanity. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be ignited by the fire of the human spirit. Where to begin with this person I I have in front of me today? Josie Norton is the CEO and co-founder of Choose Love, a humanitarian organisation founded in August 2015 in response to the largest migration of people fleeing war, persecution and climate change that Europe has seen since World War II. Within three months of being founded, Choose Love had raised over £1 million and established itself across the front lines of the crisis as being the biggest grassroots provider of aid to the refugee crisis in Europe. Six years later, Choose Love is a globally recognised brand, working in 15 countries, funding 150 grassroots organisations and has raised over £40 million to date. It is a brand that not only represents the organisation, but a movement which holds the values and ideology that so many people across the world feel as their own. One which has truly normalised just helping human beings, no matter who they are or where they are from. This is an extraordinary thing in and of itself, but even more so when you understand the story of the person who has quietly, bravely and tirelessly led the organisation since she founded it. Josie Norton came to this role with no previous experience of the humanitarian sector at all. She had worked with children as a nanny, working in bars and in music management, until, like so many people at the time, was at home one day seeing the horror of the crisis unfolding in Europe 
and felt compelled to take whatever action she could to help. Having no idea at the time how that action was going to change her own life and the life of so, so many other people around the world. Now, Josie, I just have to say is um, this is very much a conversation between best friends. I am indescribably lucky to say that Josie is one of my best friends in the world. She's my sister. She's godmother to my daughter. And I have been so lucky to be part of the very extensive Choose Love family since the very early days. And Josie is one of the people whom inspired me to want to make this podcast in the first place and I've just been so excited this series to be able to bring her story to you bring her just incomparable magic to you all so I am very lucky to know the story know Josie's story and to know the story of Choose Love very well but for lots of you here today you will not so you are really in for a treat so Jose, if you could take us back to that moment that this all began, which for the purpose of this conversation is before anything else was the genesis of the moment inside you before, before the action, before the stuff that we know on paper. Can you take us back to that moment in you that this began? Gosh, that was such an introduction. And thank you, Jess, for all, all emotional. Um, but uh, gosh, when I was a kid, I used to... I used to like when you watch a film or something and something awful happens, I, I would be like, it, it, I couldn't control my emotions. I was incontrollably upset. And that was, it was like some, just something that was in me from, from a young age. And when I was at school, I, I thought that I would end up working for the UN and I was writing letters to Amnesty and like very passionate about, about human rights in general and then life took a lot of unexpected turns I ended up dropping out of university I ended up working in bars in Camden I ended up spending too much of my time at gigs and drinking and all of those things and um luckily found myself in in an amazing position working for Coldplay and living in LA and having a stunning glamorous time and learning so 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 much about so many different industries because they're such such a huge band working across so many different industries um and i in 2015 when that it was the refugee crisis i had a million people arrived in europe that year seeking sanctuary um i i was in london because the, the band were in london uh and I was actually really, really hungover and I was just watching <laughs> stuff on the news. And and it was, we were just seeing these images of families cramped into small boats. We were seeing the trains packed and people handing water to people. They were like holding their hands out of the windows, families sleeping in forests, kids crowded around fires to keep warm. And it just, it just really, really got to me as it got to so many people at that time. And um, I went went for lunch and uh, said to some friends, I just feel like we should we should do something. Maybe we can raise a grand. Maybe we can put a night on at the Groucho. Um, just, <laughs> you know, like kind of clutching at straws. Um, and and just I, I very much in that moment, I think I I I didn't want to cry crocodile tears. If you know what I mean, I I felt so moved by it. But I knew myself that I'm a person that like says. Oh, I feel that this is so upsetting or I post something on Facebook and I haven't even really properly read the article or like 
I didn't want a virtue signal anymore. I wanted to, I wanted to do something, but mm. could never have imagined what it what it would turn into. But I I think that that is a, a demonstration of the of like the power of that idea and the, the power of when you the kind of c- contagious nature of compassion, I guess, of, of mm. what is possible when you when you do actually do something. Yeah, I mean, what you just said that around the contagious nature of compassion is really is the flame that, you know, began this whole thing, because what you managed to do um, and when what the story goes on to say, which I'm sure you will explain, is how, you know, what Choose Love managed to do in those very early days was to harness this outpouring of true compassion from civil society who had nowhere to direct it. And a huge part of what Choose Love was able to do was to to kind of harness that and organise it and turn it into impact and, and action. And it all started with with, with a hashtag, Joe, didn't it? So yeah. Yeah, so so at so at that lunch um was my very good friend Dorno Porter. Um actually Caroline Flack was also at that lunch. And then I spoke to my other very, very, very close best friend, Leanna Bird. Um, and she had a contact who was um uh it was an old teacher of hers who was working in Calais. Um, or not working, he'd just gone over there to volunteer. So so through him, we were able to have an understanding of slightly what the situation was, what the needs were. I'd also read a Guardian article and there was a, a volunteer was quoted in that. It had their phone number in it. Quite weird, I don't think that would happen now. But I called and um and asked what, what was needed. And so we ended up in a place where we had a list of items that were needed and a crowdfunding link. Um, and... You know, Liana and Dawn in particular had had a following on social media. I had a lot of friends that had big followings on, on social media. So, so once we put we put that up, you could either donate money or if you had stuff, um, we wanted to collect it and take it over in a van. And so many people said that they had stuff and that they wanted to help. And I do I do think that is something people do care. They just don't know where to put that. And the hashtag and the hashtag went viral, didn't it? Because the 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 goal initially was to raise. A thousand pounds, and it was how much? Fifty six thousand pounds in a week. Fifty six thousand pounds in a week, and and so many people said that they they had stuff, and um, was like, where are we going to put put all of this? So I actually went in an Uber in my lunch break to Big Yellow Storage in Finchley, and like walked in and uh, begged them to give us a room for free. Um, and so we had, then we ended up with a with an address where where stuff could go. And so then we we did. I feel like we put on a post it. We put the address of the big yellow storage. We put hashtag Help Calais and put that on Instagram. And that that went viral. And then people were just turning up with their cars. People had all the stuff in their houses. And uh, and then Liana's sister actually suggested that we did an Amazon wish list so people could order new stuff and it would go, it would go to the to the big yellow. So again, we put that online, and I got a phone call from the big yellow storage, and uh, they said they had an Arctic lorry arriving tomorrow. They had seven thousand packages arriving, um, and that we had to go we had to put them away because they didn't do that. <laughs> and um, and Wonderful. I had work, didn't know what to do. So so we again turned to turned to social media and asked for volunteers and it was incredible people people we'd never met before showed up people from all walks of life and within a short amount of time there were like 40 people a day there um and there was packing and sorting and um it was amazing kids who just finished their GCSEs people who just recovered from cancer grandmas it was it was amazing people people helping people and uh, you know we often talk about ordinary people doing extraordinary things and, mm-hmm. and that very much 
what was this, but it was all accidental. Like I'd never ever at that at that lunch thought that we'd suddenly have we had 17 rooms at the big yellow storage and all of these people and all of this stuff and all of this funding. It, it, it totally caught us by surprise. A wonderful surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. And then and then what happened, Joe? So and then and then there was a the moment where all of this aid essentially these donations which were you know tantamount to kind of you know normal people creating these packages of aid needed to be taken across to Calais and and tell us what happened then so so something that when people were sending their own stuff in people would often kids would like make letters and say like they would say like I hear I've spent my pocket money on this or like I hope that you find a home or draw and lovely drawings of teddy bears and and stuff and and it just really brought home like people have trusted us to make sure that this gets to where it needs to go Mm. and that's still something that's so really important to us but we we wanted to make sure that all of this stuff went to the right went to the right place and that this money was used in the most best possible way um, and the only way that you could really know that is if you went there yourself. So um, we drove on a Friday night to Calais um, and we expected we had some connections there. And um, But we did, we genuinely expected to find a big aid organisation or a governmental body there responding. And they, there just wasn't. There was 5,000 people living in a, in a field. It's like an old industrial site with asbestos on it. That's what the local government decided was an acceptable place for for people to be living for vulnerable people to be living um and there there people had nothing to eat people had no shoes on there was nowhere to go to the bathroom kids had no nappies people if they had a tent at all it was like some you know really rubbish festival type tent with holes in it um there were were lots of people driving over trying to help but they maybe had the wrong items in their in their cars it was it wasn't being distributed in a safe way. People people were bringing wedding dresses over. I mean, it it wasn't organised, and there were some French civil society actors who who were responding but needed help. And so, we very quickly partnered with them. Um, we opened a, a warehouse. We started a distribution system, a volunteer program, a shelter building program, and there were other civil society organisations who were kind of popping up. Um, and we started to work alongside them, umbrella them, and and before we knew it, we were we were kind of a co-camp management of a, of a huge refugee camp that grew to grew to 10,000 people at one I mean, literally time. within a space of weeks, you know. Within a space of weeks. From being yeah. at, you know, on your sofa, then at lunch with friends, to basically being management of one of the biggest refugee camps in Europe, informal refugee camps in Europe at the time. It was, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was really crazy. It was, uh, it was a mad, mad time and like maybe management is sometimes the the wrong word but we were we were running a lot and and at the same time as that in Greece it's amazing you know so social media is responsible for so much of the bad that's happened in the world but it's also responsible for so much of the good Mm. we wouldn't exist without social media but we were we were plugged in as well to what was happening in Greece and the volunteers who were responding then in Greece there were 10,000 people arriving a day um and there were fishermen who were responding and doing search and rescue and they needed support and they needed lights that shone out to sea so that boats wouldn't crash and doctors need to be flown out and field hospitals need to be set up and distributions of water needed to take place and um and a lot of a lot of these amazing 
humans doing this work they also didn't have the time to be raising money they didn't have the connections that we necessarily had that we were building up a community now online we could we could ask for funding and then show people where their money was going quickly and and it became it it was a it was a crisis it it, it really was and it became it became all consuming but never with the intention of becoming an organization just there's so much that needs to be done what 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 was humanly possible for us for us to do and like maybe pushed it a bit a bit over to the limit but um we just did everything that we possibly possibly could to help mm. this must have also been happening concurrently for you with 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 huge internal threshold moments yeah. you know and i know for you that was kind of unrelenting and and in many ways you know doing this work it still is and you know i wonder if you can kind of speak to us speak to that a little bit for us you know particularly like casting your mind back to those early days and you know how without without what could be described as kind of professional experience I and mean, you certainly had <laughs> transferable experience um but you know without the professional experience you know what created for you that sense you know what was the internal compass to enable you to kind of navigate your way through this in- incredible journey but without any roadmap what was your kind of internal north star would you say gosh it when I think back to that time it's like I can physically feel in my body a like swirling ball of a ball of energy and it it is it was a, a mixture of just heartbreak outrage devastation um and a, a like it just it was so clear that if if we, and by we, I mean ordinary people, civil society, the grassroots, if we didn't do it, no one would. And, you know, I just really believe that, you know, if, if one person's not okay, then none of us are, are okay. And as human beings, we have a response, we have a responsibility to help. And it was interesting that the governments were all kind of like batting responsibility of like whose responsibility these people were. And actually, so were the big, INGOs and I just really believe that as a human being it is our innate responsibility to to look after other human other human beings and and a very much a realization as well that these people were not innately vulnerable they were they had been rendered vulnerable by governments and often people were displaced as a result of our own foreign policy and it, it became all consuming and it, it became an, it became an an obsession I think and mm. and just knowing always knowing that we, we could do more like I, I I do actually know someone that can that can help with that and actually if I did spend two hours tonight trying to raise money via this you know some connection or something that will have an impact and um it just yeah it was also in a beautiful moment of people working together and the, what the what the power of collaboration can do and um, yeah, and I'd just never seen anything. I'd, ne- I'd never, I'd never seen suffering like that before. I never expected to see it in Europe. I don't know if that sounds bad. Um, I'd never really seen that with my own, with my own eyes, and I, I couldn't unsee it. Mm. You know, and this is what so I think was the power of Choose Love, particularly in those early days, just how unorthodox. You know, the the you know, choose others is obviously mm. is now a, a fully operational charity. But you know, um, you know, 
Choose Love was able to operate in quite an unorthodox way. Yeah. And I think part of that was because, you know, lots of the key, the kind of the core team and the leadership team, of course, you as the CEO and the founder didn't have that sector experience. And, you know, it enabled the organisation to think outside of the box because there was no sense of those kind of red lines that are kind of, I guess, built up in someone's mind by have, by knowing too much or having worked in the sector for too long. And, yeah. and I think from that, from not having any sense of like internal sense of that red tape, it just can actually allow for, for bigger thinking and a greater sense of, of possibility. It's like, well, why isn't that okay? You know, it allows yeah. you to, to, to think in much more human terms. And, you know, I think, as the organisation, this is certainly what I can hear you're talking to, is that, you know, in in the absence, you know, what Choose Love was led by then and still is led by now is more, it's kind of an emotional intelligence as opposed to strategic experience, but it's the emotional yeah. intelligence of the organisation which defines it. I just always think it's like if you looked out of your window and there was a family in the street and they didn't have a coat and it's freezing cold and they didn't have a coat on, they didn't have shoes on, you would like run, you would run outside to, to help. And, and, and in essence, what this, what this was, was, was people on our doorstep, they're literally on our doorstep, on our doorstep. And, and we were privileged actually that we had, we had, we had been to Calais, we had been to Greece, we, we, we saw it. So we, it was a, just, it came from, came from the stomach. It came from the gut. You just have, you have to help. And, yeah, I think that night, that naivety. I mean, now I find myself sometimes in meetings going, oh, "No, that that won't be possible. We, we won't be able to do that because of all of these reasons." And I'm like, "No, check yourself. You sound you sound like those people that you were mm. you were criticizing in the beginning because because of course it's possible. Of course you can collect things and find someone who will give you a lorry, and of course you can rent a warehouse. And you if you if you really want to, you can you can always find." A way to do it and of course now that we've made a lot of mistakes along the way because because we've been naive and we've we've learned processes and we've 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 learned why some of that red tape is in place well, the, but i think I've, I've, i love you know i've heard you refer to this before but you know you, you had to build your airplane while you were learning how to fly it <laughs> yeah literally and we're still building the plane while learning how to fly it. yeah and and sometimes the wings fall off and you've just gotta you've just you've just gotta hold on really tight and 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 find a way and I think not being afraid of failing we failed you know I think it's quite an entrepreneurial way of thinking that, that the organization has had as well mm. it's just you know, you, if you don't first, you don't succeed. Try again, and and some sometimes the things that you're doing won't work, and that's okay. And you you just learn and you pick yourself back up. And and of course, as time has gone on, we've also, you know, we we, take, we were originally called Help Refugees. We're now solely called Choose Love, and we've 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 reflected on that kind of, you know, where we were a group of white women go, going over and wanting to help and and help is a problematic word it, it, you know we've, we've reflected on where it's not right to center ourselves and that we're actually trying to unseat our privilege and unseat our our the power that we that we have because of the, the accident of where we were born and we're trying to create a world that chooses love for everyone and that is truly equitable and in, in all senses of the word um but it's yeah it's it's we have a, we have a, there's a lot more work to do and we have a lot to learn still 
so Joe, I mean this this thing around I mean what you're describing here in in the in a in a more nuanced way is this thing of of choosing love basically yeah. which two words incredibly incredibly profound combination of words and you know what 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 does it mean what does it mean to choose love to choose love means to kind of cut all of the the whys and the but what ifs and all of those things and to just operate from a from a human center place of but what what you would want for yourself what you want mm. for your family um and make your decisions based from that from that place and you know i think especially in in the refugee crisis it became the word refugee became so politicized and this it, it became discussions about borders and about immigration policies and about finance and about who is to blame for what and it it needed to just be brought back down to but this is a human being this is this could be you this could be me this could be my parents this could be your brother or your sister or your child and and you need to make your decisions on what you're going to do when faced with this situation based on what you would want for yourself or for your family and it's 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 about believing that all human beings are equal it's about believing in the potential of every single human being it's um it's about it's about operating from our heart center and and your i always like feel want to like touch my tummy when mm-hmm. i think about choose love because i feel like it's 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 there that the it's there that the the emotions come from does that kind of make sense mm, it does it's perfect it's perfect and it's um you know Joyce, i think there's so much of what you're saying, you know, well, just through how I know you, but absolutely in what you're saying now, I see someone who also does have a really kind of extraordinary capacity to trust in your own instincts. Um, and, you know, I think, I mean, would you would you say that is true or, or is, is that something that had shown up in your life before this yeah. point? Because to, to lead to step into the leadership role that you have in the way that you have. Um, I imagine there must be quite a strong kind of tug of instinct there. Would you say that's that's right? Yeah, I, I would say that's right. And I, I'm trying, I'm, I've, I've always been impulsive. I mean, that's a, a, a bad word, but I think quite often people are afraid of making decisions and Sometimes you just you you have to like you have to take up you have to take in all the information of what's available to you, and someone has to make a, make a decision. Mm. And you you can you consult the experts and you you do everything you can to have worked out every every possible outcome. But then you you have to be able to make that decision, and you have to not let the quest for perfection be the enemy of good. And mm. you 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 have you, you have to try. And I I. I I think as well as a as a as a female leader, I've I very quickly found myself in a lot of rooms where it's just men, mm. and and you know it's, sometimes it's a surprise for people to be making decisions based on heart and how it feels in your tummy, not based on um, the income and expenditure budget for <laughs> for, for the next year. 
and you know we will we will find a way if if this is needs to happen if this is gonna if this is gonna change someone's life well then we will find a way to do it regardless of of what our strategy is and um but i also as the organization has professionalized i'm learning the importance of forward planning and strategy so i think we're we're finding that balance now as an organization of being heart and gut led but but also drawing on all of the um uh, you know the the lessons and progress that that the sector has has made over time and finding a way to navigate the two things at the same time but it yeah it's sometimes you just got to follow what you know is right ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So, Jace, one of the things that I um, think about often, and I certainly thought about with you over the last few years, sometimes as a point of concern, as as a dear friend, is how on earth you live with the scale of responsibility and the intensity of the responsibility that you carry every single day. I mean, particularly, you know, the, I mean, listen, it, 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 it's, it's always there, but, you know, particularly in those early days, you know, finding yourself in the position that you were, you know, can you take us, can you take us back there, but also just to maybe start to speak to how, how that might have changed over time? Yeah. I, you know, I think there was a, a level of with, with all with all of that naivety and all of that wanting to like just do do more and and help as much as we could we grew something very quickly like you said we were building the plane while flying it and it didn't always have the like structure underneath it to to support itself and we found ourselves you know raising millions of pounds a year funding you know in the early years around 100 partner organizations in multiple countries in conflict zones and a lot of these organizations were were very very reliant on our funding and I had irresponsibly sometimes put myself and and other key members of the team uh, in a position where it relied on us as people 
and um and like it just kind of woke up and were were in that were in that position where yeah if if we didn't find a way to make it happen it it wouldn't happen and mm. as a result organizations wouldn't be able to do their work and um and the, the the displaced communities would 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 not get the support and the services that they that they need and quite quite rightly i think a lot of a lot of people kind of said this isn't it's not it's not responsible and um and we've reflected on that and then over time we're now we're now having to kind of really professionalize and build an organization that can exist without us as as individuals and one day will exist without me as a ceo you know a year and a half ago i stopped i had to i had to stop drinking i became sober i i've had to like had to grow up <laughs> mm. and um and 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 as i said learn to you know we're, we're really working on building an infrastructure that that is not reliant on individuals mm. you know you you refer to kind of you know coming sober 18 months ago which is just an incredible thing and and i i can what you're kind of leaning in to here as I guess an inevitable tension between um you know mental health and and the burden of responsibility that you that you carry yeah it you know it's, I always feel weird sometimes talking about mental mental health in relation to this work because we haven't gone gone through it and and so you know it it we don't want to be like centering us ourselves in in talking about how all of this makes us feel because we haven't had to go through this we haven't had to flee our homes and everything that happens on those journeys and you know every, every when people see the statistics of how many displaced people in the world there are 80 million now but that's that's 80 million individual lives and individual stories and and we should be talking about the the, the needs for trauma-informed support for the communities that we're working with but of course doing this work and seeing some of the things that we've seen and hearing the stories and and feeling that sense of responsibility and knowing what 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 could happen if you don't succeed at the thing that you're trying to do is a lot and we 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 had a culture of burnout in in the beginning um actually for quite a number of years um and that's something that is not not sustainable and it we've we've really had to learn to put in place the kind of the systems to make sure that people don't burn out and therapy is important for those working in the field, making sure that there's clinical supervision in place and not an offer. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a work in progress and the, the organization and us in, as individuals and me as an individual are, are, are constantly learning and changing. You know, I never used to take weekends or holidays and now I very much do. Um, and I have therapy once a week and you and me often send each other selfies from the bath. I love a bath <laughs> candle. I mean, those small things, but you, ha you have to make sure that you, you, you take the time to, to do those things and to, and to, and to process everything. Hmm. Josie, what does courage feel like? Um, courage feels like feeling the fear and doing it anyway. <laughs> Um, and just putting one step in, in front of the other and, and yeah, saying, saying, I'm going to do this and, and believing in yourself and, and not taking no for an answer. Who in the world would you 
like to be proud of you? If there could be anyone in the world, living or or past, who you'd want to be proud of you, who would that be? Uh, my mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, and she thought I was insane <laughs> when I started doing this, and now obviously, yeah, she she is proud. And actually, myself, I think that is a, um, you know, I think quite quite often as human beings, we don't like ourselves, do we? And um, I think we should we should we should try and do things in life that we would be proud of. What did your mum think about what you're doing, Joyce? Um, I think sometimes it worries her. And um but she 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 is she is the essence of she's she's love to me. She's mm. yeah, so she's um she's very much an, an inspiration for me and she um yeah she's she's super proud I think, I hope. <laughs> I think she is. I think we all are. My darling <laughs> Jess. Um, so Joyce, I mean, the, the nature of the work of, of what Choose Love does is ever evolving, ever, ever changing. And I, I know particularly at the moment, there's some very, very important and, and urgent work happening. Um, and I would just, yeah, would love to just give you some time just to tell us a bit about that. So, um yeah gosh there's 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 so many needs and there's so much amazing work happening um but there right now there are 80 million displaced people in the world half of them are children um and that number's increasing it was, it was 65 million when the organization started and that, you know it, it's estimated that it will be a billion displaced people by 2050 because of climate change and all the things that will 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 come out of that um, which is pretty scary statistic. Mm. And, you know, when we first started this work, we, we were working on the, 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 the route from the East into Europe and indeed also from, from Libya across so different countries in Africa and across into Europe, um, that the kind of borders were much more open than they are now and borders have become much more closed, much more hostile. Governments are much less sympathetic than they used to be, and in fact, they use forced migration as a like political tool to to turn um, to turn people against people, and, and they use that to gain to gain support and use it as propaganda. Um, and there are so many global needs because of COVID. So for for refugees and displaced people, the funding that was available um, has has absolutely lessened. Um, so, you know, we work in, in Syria, it's like not in the news anymore at all, but uh, there, there is still bombardment happening there are a, a, a daily people losing their lives because of because of bombs from the, the Assad regime and, uh, you know, in, in Idlib, it's millions of people over a million children with very little access to any any kind of support. It's, it's only Syrian civil society uh, organizations who are who are who, who are acting as, as a state. Lebanon, the, the humanitarian situation is, is dire. Um, the, the country's economy is, is kind of falling apart and there was an explosion last year. Um, and there are, again, just, just so many needs that the kind of be, between Greece and Turkey, there are illegal pushbacks happening. So people aren't making it across, which means there's an increased humanitarian need in Turkey and Greece and the camps that we work in, they're grossly inadequate um, and just awful, awful um, conditions for people to be living in. And, and 
they they kind of make the system impossible to people to navigate. So there's a huge homeless population as well. We see the same all throughout Europe. We work at the US-Mexican border. Again, just a huge, huge, huge humanitarian need. And then and then all of this, I keep talking about humanitarian situation, but it is actually because of politics. Um, mm. And it's, it's a humanitarian situation caused by um, a, a political crisis and a crisis of governments having no no empathy and not being able to think of new systems and think outside the box. So that the the funding that we do for legal support and for campaigning is also really really um, important. Uh, and you know, making sure that 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 the the half of that eighty million that are children, making sure that they have got an education and are, are going to be able to to go on to reach their full potential is a is a is a a huge need and we work with amazing grassroots organizations who are filling these gaps who are providing the the basics the food the water the tents the rescue boats in the sea but also um doing that work of of the legal work the advocacy work the education and we we work with 50 percent of our organizations that we work with are led by the community themselves led by people with lived experience and that's something that's really the answer um that we should be getting the funds to 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 the communities themselves and that's you know on our on our to-do list over the next few years is to really increase that percentage mm. it's so easy in this world to feel i mean i mean sure over time and millennium and over history but absolutely now to feel overwhelmed by the scale of the challenges mm. that are facing us on so many different levels but you know in moments of sort of quiet personal despair I so often come back to this thing that we used to say to each other you know those years ago when choose love was in its very early days and 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 we still do but this thing around that no act of kindness is too small and that you know action doesn't have to be about something big sometimes it can just be about turning up in your heart you know and that doesn't even have to translate beyond that but you know I think it's so easy for people to feel overwhelmed by the scale that they're sort of paralyzed into yeah. inaction but i think what 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 you do what choose love is doing is providing a framework for people to turn up with whatever is available to them however big or small that mm-hmm. is to take the bit of action that they can do and yeah. you know just in what you said you know, £300,000 raised in a few days, over 60,000 people having written to their MP. That's huge, you know, and I think that is a real testament to what can happen when people just take the bit of action that is that is available to them. Yeah, it's that's so right, Jessie. And, and it, it people, we, we can't all like quit our jobs and go and start an NGO or go and volunteer abroad, but everyone can do something. And it's all of those little somethings added up that, that, that create change and that, that make an everything. And yeah, you know, in, in that 300,000 pounds that got raised last week, there are people who donated a pound. Mm. And I really, I believe that that the people who donated a pound, that pound is as important as the 20 pounds or the hundred pounds or the thousand pounds. And the people who couldn't donate anything, but they wrote to their MP, you know, everyone is, is different parts of the same, the same wheel. And I really do. I think I said, I, I said it at the beginning, but compassion is contagious. And I, I think if we all do what, what we're able to do and what everyone's able to do is different. Um, we will we will create that 
that world that we want you know choose love's vision is a world that chooses love and justice every day for everyone and i don't think you know that, that choose love is going to be able to achieve that for the whole entire world but that's what we're aiming for but even on the day where we where we were able to facilitate the purchase of a number of tents or on the day where we get sent the video of the kids in the classroom in Lebanon doing their their performance singing a song you know we, we know that we're working towards that and and yeah we're just going to keep on keep on doing that and I import everyone that's listening if you if you feel overwhelmed by everything you know just just start small even if that's just reading up about what's going on in the world and then talking about it to your friends and family or you know and it doesn't have to be the refugee crisis it could be another issue that you that you care about or that's just sitting in your tummy and making you feel like you need to do something you know if you can donate donate think really learn about what what you're donating to and where that's going and again then talk about it to, to people volunteer if you can um there are lots of local wealth refugee welcome organizations in the uk that you can volunteer at write to mps write to write to leaders tweet them you know that those those actions do have more impact than you know just smile at someone walking down the street it all it all makes a difference um so in true human form we are now going to play out with a song of josie's choice a song that she's going to dedicate to her episode so jose what is it going to be it it's gonna be, I don't know if this is weird, but this is a song that I'm just listening to all the time at the moment. And it, and it's just, it's like driving me forward and it's swooned by the Chemical Brothers. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know if that's strange, um, but that is what I'm yes. listening to all the moment. And it's like help when everything feels really hard, it's like carrying me along. So that's, that's what it is. Absolutely <laughs> bloody perfect. So here it is. <laughs> Hang us out. Josie, we love you. And here it is. Swoon, <laughs> Chemical Brothers. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score, five stars, please. If you'd like to come and say hello on Instagram, then you can find me and all things human podcast related at This Is Jess Mills. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Jess Mills, with creative co-production by Bonnie Tideman and produced by Joel Porter at dot dot dot. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.